everybody. Welcome to EduMatch. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's February 10th, 2019. Oh my goodness, time flies. It's insane. But anyway, very happy to be here and uh, very happy to have our amazing, um, our amazing moderator, Irene, and our amazing panelists who you're going to get to meet in just a quick second. So today's topic is innovation in education. So uh, very excited about this topic. So we're going to have the panelists introduce themselves starting from left to right. So we're going to start first with Lara. Hi, I'm Lara Kohler. I'm a teacher candidate in secondary science at Loyola University, Maryland. Awesome. Well, welcome to Tweet and Talk. So glad to have you here. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Next up, we have Kenny. Kenneth Williams. I teach seventh grade math in Prince George's County. I've been teaching for now uh, almost 12 years. Awesome. Well, welcome to Tweet and Talk. And uh, that, that is awesome. We're definitely going to have to connect later because we're in the same district. So fantastic. All right. So next up, we have Kaylee. Hi, uh, my name is Kaylee Scott. I'm a second grade minor teacher in Washington County. Awesome. Well, welcome, Kaylee. Great to have you here. All right. We're going to skip over Irene and come back to her. But next up, we have Heather. Heather, if you could please introduce yourself briefly. So I'm Heather, and I'm currently a grad student in the Educational Technology Program at Loyola University, Maryland. And I'm based in Baltimore, and I've been teaching for five years. Awesome. Well, welcome to EduMatch. So glad to have you here. Wonderful, wonderful. Next up, we have Charles. Uh, hello, my name is Charles Pierce, and I am a teacher, middle school English language arts teacher in Baltimore City, Maryland and also a graduate student in the curriculum and instruction, digital technology, something at Loyola right now. Fantastic. Well, welcome, Charles. So happy to have you here. Uh, so thank you for joining us. And last but not least, rounding it out for the panelists is Doc Amy. I'm Dr. Amy Hager on the Eastern Shore of Maryland, and I'm also an edu business coach. I work with fellow educators who are looking to become entrepreneurs using their skill set. Awesome. Well, welcome back. Great to have you here. So thank you for joining us again on EduMatch. All right. And last and certainly not least, we have our phenomenal moderator. Y'all know her. Y'all love her. Um, so welcome back, Irene. Hi, everyone. I'm Irene Bell. I am a lecturer in educational technology at Loyola University, Maryland in Baltimore. And I'm very happy tonight. I have a couple of my students and uh, Doc Amy on board tonight to talk uh, innovation and deeper learning in EDU. So we're going to kick it off with our first question. Why is deeper learning, deeper learning needed in K-12 schools? To begin to prepare them um, in order to move students into why and how things apply to them and the world around them, as well as getting them to understand the impact of their actions or inactions um, as they go through, as they go through the educational process. And as we work to create, um, more critical thinkers. Deeper learning so critical with students um, in today's times because everything is turning so digital and it's requiring them to make a lot more connections to their learning to make it more relevant and meaningful. Whereas, you know, years and years ago, they didn't really need as much as those skill sets of what we need to teach now with the critical and creative thinking and how to collaborate and so on and so forth. I think too, just very concretely, that deeper learning also teaches skills. The it teaches students the skills that you would really want someone to have if you were hiring them. 
And so these are skills that allow them to solve problems um, with appropriate and timely solutions, how to work collaboratively, how to use good communication skills. Um, and they also would be, hopefully, after deeper learning, more able to come up with their own original ideas and solutions. I definitely agree with what you were saying. And, you know, piggybacking off of that, it's something that the students need in order to be successful in the real world, whether it's those higher level thinking skills or knowing how to integrate technology in a variety of ways. Um, deeper learning allows for the students to take what they've learned um, in that way and then eventually apply it to their careers or whatever they're going to do in their future. When I think of the term deeper learning, I think of students taking more ownership, uh, ownership of their learning, ownership of the product that they produce related to their learning. So when I think of deeper learning, I'm, I'm thinking of ownership, student ownership. And I wanted to bring, uh, going off grid, uh, Sarah knows I like to go off grid. Um, I really like some of you all said like the, the hiring skills and the, um, the ownership of learning. And Doc Amy, you probably see this a lot with the entrepreneurship piece. Uh, where you really have to take ownership of and kind of um, guide yourself in what you're doing. And just thinking about the roles that are currently even in education, we always talk about, oh, we're training students for jobs that aren't even there. And I saw, I forget who it was on Twitter said, you know, I'm in a job right now that wasn't here 20 years ago when I was in school. So um, in training people in jobs that are not no longer here, how can we also boost those these skills, these deeper learning skills and these connections, collaboration, communication, like Kaylee said? I guess I, I, I was thinking about the question. I think deeper learning, and I realize that we're talking about the development of job skills, but I think that as society has become, as we as a society have become more and more reliant on social media, deeper learning also puts our young people in place that they have to become media literate and understanding that um some how will say um and i just heard it actually on a podcast with uh Preet Bharara, um and they were talking about how during the television generation you had to realize that some technology some things were made for television we have to now realize that some tech some information is made for social media and a lot of young people aren't there yet. They think that everything that they see is real. With deeper learning, they'll be better able, it'll be more ingrained to critically think about the how, the why, and to whom this audience, who is this presented for, and what is the ultimate reason. Things that we typically take for granted or don't do, or have to make a concentrated effort to do in our normal interactions. I wanted to bring in some comments from YouTube. Um, Marvia Davidson said, we also live in a world now where you have to constantly constantly be learning and applying what you're learning in your work and your life because it impacts companies and how they work and the tools they make. And Maria, I'm totally on board with that. I completely agree. Um, and uh, Michelle Wooten said, deeper learning is necessary because so much surface learning is simply available on the internet. And students have to be able to use what they learn. And that's another really great point. Um, and so with those points, we're gonna move to question two, or, or, yeah, or question three, I guess. Um, how can educators integrate innovative technology into their learning? I think we have to get really creative. I feel like digital equality, that's almost kind of like the new separate but equal. I mean, really, we say, okay, we can give paper and pencil assignments, but it's really not at the rigor and the um, 
yeah, I guess rigor, that would be lack of a better word, that kids who have access to computers and internet at home all the time versus kids who can just kind of hop on at school or even using a smartphone. Like it's not the same as having, um, you know, a computer, a desktop, unlimited internet access. So I think we have to kind of be creative and kind of meet kids where they are um, in regards to what kind of technology they have, which can kind of be, we kind of have to know like, okay, if they have access to social media, there are ways that we can incorporate education. It doesn't necessarily have to be access to um, databases and Word and things like that to do like actual homework assignments. Sometimes we have to find other ways to get kids to use technology for education just because not everybody has the same thing. So, Well, I think we have to remember too to like make sure that whatever innovative technologies we're using, like they're purposeful. Like all of my students in my second grade class have their one-to-one. -one, so they all have their own iPad. And while yes, it would be great to just shoot out everything on their iPad, what's like the sole purpose behind it? And I really like what you said about the digital equity type of thing because, you know, that kind of brings it full circle where, yes, some of us have availability with these technologies, but are we really using them for, you know, to help students develop those critical and creative skills that they need? Yeah, I think that's really important that we're pur purposeful about it. I think using technology and integrating, like those are our buzzwords right now. It sounds really great, but are we really teaching teachers how to do it properly? Um, and then we get into boundary issues of like, yeah, I want to have a school Instagram or a classroom Instagram, but then are we really teaching, our, especially our younger teachers, how to be digitally responsible and how to use those things? Teachers are getting caught up all the time starting innocently enough, but we need to teach, we need to be purposeful how we're doing it, how we're using it, and teaching teachers how to be safe with it all. I mean, I think everyone has good intentions, but like I said, it's, it's great to have an Instagram, but what's it for? Just to say you have one, so good point. I agree with both of you, but I am inclined to think that with Deeper, using technology means that if I, as the educator, model for the young person or model for my learners, what they're going to do once I find the piece that um, they can, it, it, it becomes purposeful. It's trying to make things purpose, pur make things purposeful in a classroom coming from the district, which I'm in, um, there is a digital divide. And so every day that I am, have access to technology, then I have to figure out that they're not just on there doing what they want to do. So it has to be purposeful instruction rather than you go over here and do this. That means my having to research the platforms I want to use by creating the lesson plans and presenting the lesson using those platforms and how and whether I explain it to them or not at that point, how does this benefit me? Um, I think that using well obviously i am in agreement with using technologies for technology's sake um is not the answer but i think that if you know this is what this is for for example my students have an assignment due in the coming days and they have horrible handwriting a lot of some of them hand it's just we can't do this so we've gone back and I, because i made sure they're in google classroom they understand the purpose. And I know that I'm also teaching them physical skills that they're going to need later on, but we're beginning to talk about using Google Classroom more purposefully than we have been at the beginning of the term when we really didn't need it. That That's where I go in that general direction. Oh, I really wanna jump in here and marry some of these ideas. So 
Charles, I like what you said about modeling and I want to pull in Kaylee's idea or um, speaking point on purposeful. And I think with modeling, it needs to be purposeful modeling and not just saying, well, I'm modeling how to use it, but bringing in Doc Amy's idea in that PD as well as with students and purposely stating that you're modeling and why you're modeling and what, you know, the, the reasons behind, you know, why you're doing things in a certain way with the students as well as in that PD situation, like Amy said, um, and bring just kind of marrying those two. Other thoughts? One of the items that I think that I try to add to my use of uh, technology is also feedback in terms of my students having an opportunity to practice a new skill, but then giving them uh, actionable feedback on the work that they've given. Uh, I am at a new school. This is my first year at the school and we are a one-to-one -one school. My previous school was not one-to-one. -one. So my use of technology I see uh, is very different here at my new school than my previous school. Uh, we also use, uh, like Edwin, Google Classroom, but my expectation is a lot higher at, for my students at my present school than my previous one because of the lack of access. But in having that access, I still need my students to understand that we need to use technology effectively to get our points across or to uh, show what it is that we've learned in the best way possible. And I wanna jump um, to Mary Beth on Twitter who says, um, answer this question with deeper learning helps students understand real world situations and make personal connections to the content to help, and this help minimizes the memorize and regurgitate aspect of learning. And um, I think about that a lot in higher ed and in K-12 and training, or not training, I hate the word training, but in working with educators and current teachers um, in growing their skills. You are listening to EduMatch. EduMatch is proud to present our first feature-length documentary. Over time, what I just really had to do was I had to educate myself on education, educate myself on business, and then try to figure out how to make the two come together. In a film by Dr. Will. I want to make it look like I don't feel like I'm working a day in my life. Like when I'm working side by side with a district, I want to be having fun. I want to want to be there. You know, if I wasn't having to take vacation days or be away from my wife and kids, you know, be away from my family, I'd almost want to go do it. If I could do it for free, I'd want to go do it for free. Education is a service industry and we are not used to talking about money, making additional money. For me, finding that balance of what I'm offering that's free versus what I'm offering that's paid for. You know, on my blog, I don't do any advertising and that's very intentional. Like I have the books that I've written on the side and that's enough self-advertising. Eight entrepreneurs share. Look to the left and look to the right. One of those people are gonna make a mistake. Try not to duplicate that. So people don't see that. They see your hour on the stage. They don't see the risk you've taken to get that. They don't see all of the challenge and the change. They don't see the pain that is the root of passion. They don't see the suffering. Their successes, challenges, and lessons. When I am home, I am present. I am making sure that I am on a flight. If I'm away all week, I'm home for, I get home Friday night and I'm here the weekend and I'm doing everything I can to be a good husband, a good father, a good friend. 
So that work-life balance is knowing when to shut down. I don't want to be known as a fad. Like, oh, every future came through with this thing and now it's no longer relevant. So I, I just, I said, hey, I'm going to do this. I'm just going to keep it real. Um, I'm just going to share actual experiences. I know what teachers are looking for when they come to a session, what they're looking to leave with. That's what I'm going to give them every time. The Edupreneur, making the impact and the income. You are listening to the EduMatch podcast. We're going to jump to question number four. Um, name an innovative educator, innovative idea, innovative tech tool, or an innovative school that inspires you the most and include why you're inspired. Kind of moving away from this, memorize and regurgitate, but actually connecting to others to be able to grow your, your learning and your students' abilities. I think that we need to start... Um, tech aside, start asking our teachers more to help solve some questions and some problems, um, especially with technology. And I understand where it's coming from, where they bring whoever the representative from the tech company or the software company or whatever the new thing is, they come in and it's clearly haven't been in a classroom for a really long time. They're corporate people, they're corporate trainers. And I think to myself, you have a whole school full of master's degrees. You didn't even think to ask us. Like, ask us. <laughs> we are we are more powerful than you think, and we can problem solve in the same way that children have been taught to um, true, false, all of the above. You know, just multiple choice. That's kind of how teachers. We you know we we lose that problem solving ability because no one's asking us. So I think especially with this, you know, because I'm kind of in that in between generation where. We had internet my senior you know, junior year, like AOL instant messenger was around, but like I still know how to use like a regular telephone. Like I, I really had the best of both worlds and to see how it has changed and all the great things that we can do. The fact that we are having this conversation right now is huge. I, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, teachers, when I was in high school, would not have this opportunity for us to really link together and almost, for lack of a better word, like crowdsource our knowledge and really come up with some interesting things that we can do with these kids. So. I think uh, the technology is definitely going to let us, all of us, collectively step our game up because my school district didn't tell me about you guys. I came out and found you. You know, like we are reaching out and getting opportunities that our regular school district may not give us um, just as a common, lowly classroom teacher, you know, and that we're able to come together and have an expert conversation about some stuff that's really important to us and hopefully get some solutions to some problems. Knowing the learner and knowing who you're kind of presenting to with tech, different tech tools and different strategies is really important. I think as people, as someone who's left the classroom, the K-12 classroom um, for a little bit, that's, it's something to con constantly remember that like, although I have experiences and I have knowledge, I'm not currently in the classroom. So I need to make sure that the voices of what's currently happening in the classroom is being heard by me. Um, does anyone else have anything to say about or have any suggestions to curate these uh, resources for all of us? A lot of times when things are implemented, what ends up happening, I think, when they're brought into the classroom, it is up to the classroom teacher to figure out, you said it was going to be used this way, but I know my students, so I know the population that I'm working with, so I have to use it this way. Um, a lot of times I, I feel like districts want, a district wants you to implement something with fidelity. And implementing something with fidelity doesn't necessarily help the student. So we have to work with implementation with integrity because we have to meet our students' needs. And if that means 
instead of you writing out an essay by hand so that this can be turned in, that you have to type it or you have to make a flip grid or you have to do an oral presentation um, using YouTube, then those are the strategies that we that need to be implemented. We have to not allow ourselves to become, I don't want to say overwhelmed or burdened because I personally believe the people want what the people want, but we have to allow ourselves the ability to understand that I'm in here doing this and this is the effect that I have. Because at the end of the day, um, our learners are the ones who are going to demonstrate what we did, whether we did it well or whether we did not do it well. Kenny, um, earlier, he was kind of breaking up and he added in the chat because um, he might be, he was having some internet difficulties because um, technology is fun until the internet goes out and then we all are like, we don't know what to do. Um, and he was talking about HyperDocs with um, Matt Miller from Ditch That Textbook and um, how much he's really um, excited about implementing HyperDocs into his classroom. Um, I've been using them with, th with these students in my class um, as kind of a more innovative tool to uh, allow that that ownership, um, as I think Kenny was saying earlier, um, in the students' learning. And um, I wanted to jump over to the um, YouTube, and um, Marvia and Michelle and a couple others are having a great conversation on our YouTube chat um, about learning. They've learned so much more from Twitter and PLN beyond the just traditional PDs at their, um, at their school and in their district and just in their region. Um, and I want to give a shout out to Sarah Thomas, who's with us today right now uh, because from her I um, connecting with her opened up my PLN big time um, and I connected with her way before I had a position um, and I've actually been able to meet her face-to-face -face and do some face-to-face -face collabs which is so awesome stay tuned edge match will be right back hi my name is Sam Fessich, the author of EduMagic. Are you a future teacher or a student teacher? Then you need to add EduMagic, a guide for pre-service teachers, to your must-read list. EduMagic provides practical advice, tips, and strategies to help you become an educator of excellence while in college. Teaching doesn't begin when you cross the stage of graduation. It begins Monday morning, 8 a.m., during your first college class. So join me and let's learn how we become educators of excellence with a little bit of edgy magic. Buy it on Amazon today. Now back to more learning on the Edge of Match podcast. We're going to move on to, I lost it, um, within the chat, um, to our next question. Um, Charles set us up very nicely for the next question um, in talking beyond the technology and so our Question five is how does innovative technology support deeper learning? It gives students different ways of learning that they traditionally would not get. Um, you know, and all students learn differently, as we know, being teachers, um, they're all not going to learn the same way. So presenting them with the different innovative technologies allows for them to kind of own in on what they know and, you know, represent themselves through that innovative technology. Um, it allows for them to apply their higher level thinking and critical thinking skills to what they're learning and you know allows them to also be engaged with what they're learning um, even though they might not be interested in something um, innovative technology hopefully sparks an interest in what they're learning a lot of the innovative technologies that we're seeing now are just inherently student-centered 
And so that really um, supports and fosters what she was talking about with um, higher level thinking. And then also being able, I think maybe you were trying to say, or you were implying that um, because these technologies are more student-centered, that you can maybe do more differentiation with them or cater to different needs of different students in the classroom, which is something that I know that I need to always keep working on to give my students the best experience possible as they're trying to learn the material in our class. Laura, yes, I agree. I think Heather was hitting on that differentiation. Um, and I love that I kind of took it as her speaking on both the teacher and the student. Um, you can see my pen, I've been taking notes. Um, <laughs> but so like the teachers have choice on what they can use based on their content and their needs, but then also students have choice. Um, and Laura, I really like how you said like innovative tech um, is more student centered. Um, but I think it we get when we go back to Kaylee's comment earlier on the purposeful, um, I think it depends on how you use it. A lot of the innovative tech that um, can be explored and like what we've been exploring um, in this class that a lot of these <laughs> panelists are in can very easily get not be student centered. They can very much be teacher centered. Um, and so it's not just a shift in including innovative technology, but also in the implementation and design of that innovative technology. I'm gonna open it back up. Yeah, my comment was sort of with the idea in mind that these things are being used um, in an ideal and intended way as we would intend them um, as we talk about them in our course. So another thing I like about just the innovative technology, and I touched on it when we we're talking about like just opening up our professional learning environment. I really like the idea that that some white kids out in middle America can like really like engage with different cultures and they can see other people and like actual people, not characters they see on a TV show or a music video, but like really get to know people that are across the country, across the world. Um, I think that's going to help with, you know, as they get older in business and things like that, when it's talking about problem solving, like that's a problem that we can start to address now with just cultural understanding and things like that, where kids are just being exposed to way more. I like the idea that, you know, not this is like pen pals, like on steroids, like to be able to connect classrooms and be able to do a digital project with a kid on the other side of the world. Like that's, that's huge. Like that have been awesome when I was in school. So I'm excited about like, if all this stuff gets used properly, I'm excited of the creative, like problem solving and the tolerance that that is going to breed in these students. Some comments from the YouTube chat. Um, Arvia Davidson um, answered this past question. Um, it means sharing what you've learned, why it's important, how it's useful or even helpful. Tech and help um, get us our words, voices, ideas out there. Like Flipgrid, you can express thoughts verbally. Um, I think one of the, um, along the lines of what Laura was saying in the design, I think one of the best things about, um, in addition to student-centered um, with innovative tech, is that um, going back to this idea of communication and collaboration, the technology, the advances in technology nowadays and what we can bring into our classrooms um, opens up our classrooms to bring in, like Doc Amy was saying, our, all our collaborative voices able, allows us to connect to others and it's allowing us to connect our students to other students, um, which before was not really possible. Um, even like when Doc Amy said back in the AOL time with Insta chat or whatever it was called, <laughs> I was in that time period too, um, that that being brought into the classroom was unheard of. Um, and so just these ideas that we can now connect with other classrooms is amazing and very easy. Um, so we have one last question tonight. 
and I lost it. There it is. All right. So our last question for the evening is what resources do you have regarding innovation in education? You know, I think just to kind of take that isolated question of getting kids to um, kind of think outside the box, like that is the biggest thing. Like we have a whole generation of kids that do not know how to connect math to science and being able to use technology to do just amazing things. And the other piece of like different learning, um, I am very, I'm a sociable introvert. So I like hanging out with people for like a half hour and then I need to leave. I need to recharge my batteries. I've never been one for forced group work. So I hate it when I'm in professional development and they put you at a table and they say, hey, work with people you're never gonna see the rest of the year. I shut down. Like I have learned that as an adult that I don't work well that way. So I would very, I prefer for them to say, hey, you have a project, ACD, it's open for a week, y'all figure out how to do it. I, I can hop on a blog, I can do an email, we can chat back and forth. It gives me time to kind of process my thoughts. And as an adult, if that's how I learn and I've recognized that, I can now see patterns from when I was younger where I didn't want to do group work. I'll just do it myself and I'll let my partner like finish it up <laughs> or kind of look it over. So being able to address different learning styles and really me being able to show my best by using technology and being able to collaborate kind of, I guess, on my own terms where I feel a little more comfortable, I think that's going to open up a whole lot more kids that normally would shy in the back, don't want to raise their hand, don't want to get in front of the class and give a speech. But if they can go home and record it and create something amazing, another visual presentation, does it really matter if they stood up in front of a class, read, it, read a paper, or would you really like to see them at their best because they were able to, that anxiety was able to kind of come down and they were really able to use technology and really show us what they know how to do. Like what's more important than knowing the information or presenting it, you know, with a piece of paper or just old school. Like we're, you know, we're in the future. Like we can do much better than just support in front of the classroom. Marvia Davidson on the YouTube chat. Um, she answered this for question three, but I thought going beyond just the resources, um, I was thinking strategies. Um, strategies do you have for innovation and education? And she said, start small. Don't try on take on the tech world. Start with one thing, you, one lesson, one idea that you can do and do it well. And I completely agree with that with starting small, starting in your classroom, not trying to do a humongous thing. Um, I tend to jump in feet first and do all the things, um, but I love this idea of starting small. I also want to give a shout out. I uh, love personally George Kuros. Um, he is, I think his blog and his ideas, and I've seen him present a couple times live, are amazing. And he always regenerate, like rejuvenates me as an educator um, and makes me like really consider um, things that I'm doing within my classes as well as just in my like um, education and life. And, you know, think like, am I real, you know, what's the sole purpose behind this? And um, I, I wanted to give a shout out to him. Is, are there any other resources or strategies from our panelists for innovation? I mean, just kind of going off like some of the different um, innovative technology pieces like Flipgrid and using Genius Hour and so on and so forth. I found that it's been really useful to follow those pages on Twitter, for example, and seeing how it's being used throughout the different grade levels. I know like with elementary school, it's kind of hard to determine what do you want your students' expectations to be for being able to use this innovative technology, especially so young, but kind of seeing like the broad of broad range of how they're using it in high school and what they're using it for. It kind of gives you a, an idea, I guess, sort of like a resource to kind of progress how you want them to be able to use it with you. I agree with you. And I th also think that for me, innovation sort of centers around 
how can I change my person, my practice in my classroom? Um, going from having to handwrite a lesson plan sort of makes me think about every step as I process through with the child, with my learners, so that I know what I need them, what I would like to see them do. The the innovation that I want to see is more tends to be very creative. Um, I never thought <clears throat> when I started this program that I would have a PLN and that I would follow all of these people who have all these great ideas. And then I have to, I become overwhelmed and say, I want to do all of this, but I have to back up and start to say, this is where we are. How can I do this? And I think if I, by my taking that process and being deliberate, I think it, it helps my students become more deliberate as I share with them what we're doing, rather than y'all go on Google Classroom, this is what we're doing. And nobody knows how to use Google, never thinking, no one know, you know how to use, you're the only one that knows how to use Google Classroom. So then that innovation goes out the door because I have to go back and say, I have to teach you how to use this. I have to show model for you, just using that as the example. So I think one of the, the biggest, the biggest resource that we have is one another and our PLNs. I just, because if it weren't, then I wouldn't have, I wouldn't be able to, I don't think I'd be able to get through this. You know, when it comes to innovative technology, you know, for example, um, like learning about HyperDocs or Genius Hour, I really don't know much about that, or I didn't know much about that until recently. And it was because I had other people that I could, you know, go to who have used those innovative technologies in their classroom. Um, and they have like the expertise on that, whereas I, you know, I don't have much of it. So I don't want to, you know, go into my classroom and be like, okay, you know, here we're going to try what I'm doing. Um, so just to have those other people to go to as resources definitely helps. I wanted to connect back to what Charles was saying with feeling overwhelmed and go back to our, our YouTube chat with Marvia Davidson um, saying, you know, starting with small steps. And um, she stated, um, I, I learned small chunks from me and Sarah and the other Edgy Match family makes it a bit easier. And um, I, <laughs> I, I want to say it can be very overwhelming, uh, especially when you're jumping in with two feet. And um, I, like my students soon will be exploring creation versus consumption. And I think I found that the first couple, the first past year or the first past year, that sounds terrible. The past year um, I've done a lot of consuming and I'm hitting the point where I feel like I need to give back and start kind of writing through. Marvia had a great comment. Um, the idea of write and process forcing us to engage in deeper thinking and reflecting, pruning the PLM by choosing what is uh, for the moment um, and being deliberate in our choice of our PLN. And I think that's so like such a good um, suggestion when you're doing like the over, like what Charles said with feeling overwhelmed. Um, Cause it's so easy. Um, Voxer, Sarah loves Voxer, but it tends to overwhelm me. Um, and so choosing that. So I think all of you had great points and I want to thank you so much for being on the panel. I'm going to kick it back over to Sarah uh, to do some last minute comments. All right. Well, thank you so much, everyone. This was an amazing conversation. So big ups to the panelists, big ups to the moderator, Irene, big ups to everybody on YouTube Live, Twitter, everyone who's going to be watching in the future. So really, really appreciate all of you.